For the next hour, you'll be leaving the show me state and entering the show me the money state. So stop what you're doing, grab a pen, and get ready to learn, people. Because you're tuned to the Ozarks' number one show about your money. Randy Floyd, founder of Floyd Financial Group, will be your guide for straight talk about living the life you deserve in retirement. Prepare to be empowered. Now, here's your show me the money host, Randy Floyd. Thank you so much. Good morning and welcome to Show Me the Money with Randy and Jake Floyd, the radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help you reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name's Jeff Shade and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions. But the words of wisdom and solid advice come from the experts, Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group. Randy, I'll start with you. How you doing this fine Saturday morning? Doing really well, Jeff. I'm just excited to be alive and in yeah. the world. So am I, and glad to be here on the radio with you guys. And Jake, how are you doing? Yeah, it's coming up on that time of year to be thankful for the things that you have. And we are very grateful to be at Floyd Financial Group with our clients and have such great family and right. friends working around us. That's right. We set our priorities. We recognize them uh, at Thanksgiving. Basically, we should recognize them, I think, 365 days a year, but we'll highlight it. Now, less than a week away. Hard to believe it. I told you, Randy, I think I've got a defective calendar because it says Thanksgiving is already next week. Well, the holidays are rushing in faster than a speeding freight train and we'll talk about that and how it applies to you and your finances and things that you need to do towards the end of the year in a future show. But right now, I want to talk about what is happening in the world today. In this first segment, we always talk about uh, current events. Seems, uh, Randy and Jake, the Fed is sort of at a crossroads, isn't it? Yes, Jeff, they are. And I think that what'll be interesting to see here is the Fed basically has two avenues that it can take. And up to this point, it has looked like Jerome Powell is focused on beating inflation. So the two potential paths here is that he can smash inflation with the hammer mm -hmm. and give us a recession. Or in this staring contest with inflation, he can blink right. and the market will run up temporarily. But what will happen is inflation will come back with a vengeance. And uh, we saw this happen in 1978 through 1981 or so where the previous Fed chair didn't get the job done and he just didn't finish the job. And I think Paul Volcker had to come in and really raise interest rates big to fix it. And mm -hmm. I'm afraid that's what we're going to see this time with some of the mind changing going on over there at the Fed and some of these inflation numbers coming down a little bit is really starting to make me question whether the Fed has the resolve the, the stomach to right. do what needs to be done. So what you're saying is that you think that they're going to blink here and that there's more pain to come. I mean, if he were to crush inflation, that would be really, really painful. Are we ready for such a thing? I mean, can the American public withstand something like that, do you think? I think they definitely can, and they will ultimately have to. It's not so much do we, do we or do we not crush inflation. It's more do we crush it right now or are we forced to crush it later? Mm -hmm. And I think that there's just not enough pain out there yet for people to stop their spending. And so in December, we'll get some more inflation data and the Fed will then also have another meeting to decide what to do with interest rates. And it's possible that they may blink here and say, hey, mm -hmm. you know, we were thinking we were going to maybe raise 75 basis points. Now we're going to do 50 and then we're going to pause or maybe even 25 and then pause. Mm -hmm. And I'm just telling you, if you've been out to dinner recently, any of you listeners out there, or oh, Jeff, yeah. Yeah. Um, the lines are around the building at record prices. That is 
is not what crushing inflation looks like. No, no. What, what crushing inflation looks like is no demand, right? Mm-hmm. The way you have to crush inflation, because they have no control over supply, all they can do is affect demand, and they have to crush demand. They have to make it so that it's people lose their jobs. People don't have the ability to pay what these places are charging, you know, like like the Olive Garden, for example. You know, uh, a lot of those prices are up, you know, over three years ago, they're probably up 50% or oh, yeah. close to it. And it's pasta, you know. They oh, have sure. a dollar's worth of cost on a $20 plate. And, oh, yeah. And people just can't get enough of it. Mm-hmm. They can't get their credit cards out fast enough. You know? And I think that <laughs> yeah. until we see that mentality change, we haven't beaten it. And you'll be able to see it when it happens. Now, we have some of these major corporations laying off workers, right? They're trimming the fat a little bit, especially at some of these big tech companies where the primary problem they've had for the last two to three years is that they can't hire people at any price. Yeah. So they've been very hesitant to trim workers because they're afraid they won't be able to get them back. But we're starting to see the Amazons, the Facebooks, Apple fired their recruiting department. Yeah. Um, you know, so like that's the very tip of the iceberg of seeing where we're headed. But if the Fed does not continue down this path, they're going to have done all this for nothing. And inflation is going to come back worse than it was before. Yeah, Jake, and to that point, I understand that Twitter or uh, Meta has laid off 11,000 employees. Elon Musk, not really popular with the people of Meta or Twitter right now. We're talking with Randy and Jake of Floyd Financial Group about the current economic situation and inflation in general. Do you think that's really the way to go is to blink like this because it's really just going to spread the pain out over a longer period of time? Do you think that we're uh, in this inflationary period like we're in right now for the next uh, 12, 18 months, something like that? So again, it it depends on what he does in December, but if he does blink and we pause these rate hikes starting in January, February, there will be a period of relief, meaning between now and February or whenever that pause happens, the market will anticipate that. Stock market will go up, maybe quite a lot up, and it will seem like we've beaten it in the short term. But once those numbers start coming back in again in February, March, April, we're going to realize very quickly that we did not fix the problem. It is not easy to beat inflation. The reason why it's so important is because it's so difficult to beat it. So we have to beat it early. If you let it get out of control, I mean, there's a lot of developed nations around the world running 20 and 30% inflation. Right. Some of the middle level nations like Turkey is running 80% inflation. They have to change their prices on their groceries stores weekly because inflation is going so high. And people are like, well, that can't happen here. It absolutely can happen here if we don't get this under control. And uh, I think we will get it under control, even if it's now or if it's later. We will beat it, but it's just going to be so much more drawn out and painful if we wait another six months, 12 months to fix it. It's going to cause, like you said, probably 12 to 18 months of pain and just this kind of limbo land that we've been in investment wise, where there's not a whole lot uh, of money to be made. In the short term, there could be some money between now and the end of the year. But I think that after that, we're just going to see that we haven't beaten it yet and we haven't gone far enough. Randy and Jake, let's bring it home right here in our own backyard, right here in Springfield, Missouri, to the average person listening to this program here on this Saturday morning. What does all this mean to them in terms of their investment possibilities, their ability to uh, get into retirement and maybe adjust their spending habits as a result of inflation? What does this mean to us here in Springfield? So I think it means a, a couple of things, Jeff. I think number one, as we always talk about on the show, is you need a plan that right. works 
no matter what the weather is like, whether you get snow or 85 degrees back to back days here in Missouri, um, you know, you have <laughs> yeah. to have a plan to yeah. deal with either one of those things. And in your financial plan, you need to have an advisor that's paying attention. Mm-hmm. If the only time you hear about this stuff is when we're on the radio telling it to you, your advisor is asleep at the wheel. Mm-hmm. He is not paying attention if you are not having these discussions. And, you know, so far, the pain has been relatively muted. And I think that some people will be like, what do you mean it's been muted? You know, we were down 25% at the low, you know. Yes, we were. But I think it can go quite a bit further than that if we kick this inflation can, you know, instead of looking at the S&P 500 at three something, we may be looking at it at two something. And I think most people are not ready for a 50 or 60% downturn and don't really have a plan to deal deal with that in a way that doesn't affect their lifestyles in retirement. And it's quite obvious from this conversation that you guys are at the wheel and paying attention, uh, you know, simply because you know so much about this particular thing. When you're doing these financial plans for people, I know that you account for the ups and downs of the financial storms. How do you communicate with your clients? I mean, do you just go ahead and make these adjustments as needed or do you have to alert the clients? How does it really work at Floyd Financial Group to keep on top of things? So it depends a little bit on where this money is parked. But uh, if we're talking about money in the market, we have what's called discretion, meaning we will act on behalf of the client rather than having a discussion every time we're going to change something because that delays how agile we can be, right? If I have to call everybody and say, hey, we're thinking about doing this, then next week, you know, I might be able to actually do it uh, versus sometimes things need to happen like right now. And so... We want to be agile. We like to have quarterly sit-downs with our clients to kind of update them on where they're at. They can see all the moves we're making on their statement each month if they want to see those things. And they can log in daily and see values, see changes that have been made if they want to. Some Everybody has a little bit different level of how in the know they want to be. Some people don't really like to know because it just it makes them nervous. Some people want to know every detail, and we're fine with that too. There's plenty of details to know out there, I'll promise you. But I think that that's the basic way that we do things is we always have the client's best interest at heart and we want to make sure that we can act with agility if necessary. Jake, you talked about people who are in retirement, just getting into retirement. What about the younger people who have just, you know, a a few more years to go before retirement, either you, Randy or Jake? Sure. So Jeff, what I would say is for those people that are 7, 10, 15, 20 years from retirement, you need to go ahead and just keep investing into your 401ks, into your IRAs, into your Roth IRAs. Don't change anything about what you're doing. Keep going because we will come through this. We will survive it. It may be painful, but we will survive it. And on the other side is going to be great times again. You know, the market always cycles. Economies always cycle. It's just how things work. And it always has. If we look back over our shoulder, you know, we've had dozens of bear markets, dozens of bull markets, recessions, depressions, Black Mondays. Right. <laughs> you know, we've had all this stuff that comes along. And, you know, we, we survived COVID. You know, we had the 2007, 8, and 9 crisis. We had the dot-com bubble in 2000, 2001, and 2. You know, and this is just something else that we're working through that's a little different this time because when we shut down, you know, basically the planet for production for about 90 days, and in some areas around the country, they're still shutting things down off and on, off and on, depending on what's going on with COVID-19 still. 
But when you do that, it's going to have uh, some repercussions. You know, when we print all that money and then you can't buy things, right. that just drives the price of everything up. So the thing that has to happen now is, you know, people got a little bit complacent during the pandemic and they were home a lot and they got used to being there and working from home and everybody was kind of limping on down the shoulder on the rim, you know, and the government was helping us fund all that. Well, we've got to pay the piper now. we got to pay the price, and we will. We're strong. As a people, as a country, we are strong. We will get through it. This is what will really drive, if you will, the innovation and the next generation of wealthy people. And, you know, people. sometimes people say, well, you know, why do we need wealthy people? Let me just tell you that people without money can't write paychecks. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. you, you got to have business that works and thrives and grows and innovates and changes. And uh, honestly, I just can't wait to see what's on the other side of this. It's going to be a little painful, but it's going to be good in the end. And I just can't wait to see. Well, I'm going to reiterate what you said there, Randy. America is resilient. We've been through a lot. We will get through this. And as you say, sometimes on the other side of this is going to be some pretty high cotton. You're listening to Randy Jacob Floyd Financial Group. And again, I think the takeaway from this conversation has been if you have a plan to get through these sort of things, you'll be so much better off. How do you get that plan? No cost, no obligation for your financial plan at Randy. Randy and Jake's Floyd Financial Group. All you've got to do is call 417-889-7233. 417-889-7233 and request your complimentary, no cost, no obligation, most importantly, no judgment financial plan with Randy and Jake. Get in there today, 417-889-7233, or you can request it online at floydfinancialgroup.com. That's floydfinancialgroup.com. Time for a break. We'll be right back with more of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. Ready for a heaping helping of some more real talk? Thought so. Here's another serving of Show Me the Money with your server, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake Floyd. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to talk about bonds, something we've talked about a lot in the past. But we're going to talk about how things have changed with the times here and interest rate hikes. Right. And I think that most people know what bonds are. But for the few people listening to this program who do not know what bonds, I mean, they've heard about bonds. They've heard about savings bonds. We're not talking about that. Can you give us a basic, just ground level description of what bonds are? so people understand those. Sure thing, Jeff. You know, when we talk about stock and equities, right. and when we own stock, we own we actually have ownership of a company. When we buy bonds, we have the debt of companies that we basically own mm-hmm. and a promise to pay us interest. And at the end of that term, whatever that bond term is, they can be as short as, you know, six months, maybe even shorter. They can be a year. They can be up to 30 years and everything in between. But the idea is is that uh, when you loan your money to this company mm-hmm. and they produce this bond, it tells you what interest rates you're going to get. And then at the end of the term, uh, you're going to get your money back. So as we look at bonds, it's kind of interesting. At face value, they're really very simple. Right. But as interest rates change and you look at the length of term that a bond may be, it can uh, really produce some volatility, sometimes good, sometimes bad. And looking back 
back over our shoulder for the last 40 years through about August of 2020. Bonds were a great retirement investment vehicle, but then they got where they weren't so good because mm-hmm. interest rates were near zero. And we know that if we own uh, bonds that don't pay very much in interest, they're not going to be worth much as interest rates go up because who would want to buy a low-paying bond when they can buy a higher-paying bond? So you have to discount your bond when interest rates are on the uptick versus your bond may appreciate on the downtick of interest rates. And so as we look back, the Fed funds rate was zero until March of 2020, and now we're sitting at four and a quarter. So we've had a very rapid increase in uh, bond rates. Uh, And of course, the Federal Reserve, when they control how much it costs for banks to borrow money, that affects everything from the CD rates at the bank, your mortgage rates, uh, interest rates on cars and interest rates on credit cards and all types of anything credit, you know, gets affected by that. So with bonds, as you said, you are buying the debt of a company, sort of you are the lender and the bond market, oddly enough, I mean, I think most people don't realize this, but it is even a bigger investment category than the stock market is. So certainly it is a very popular category. Has the situation with bonds changed in the last six months or so? It has, Jeff, and I think that during 2020 and all through 2021, there was this thing called the TINA trade, Right. meaning there is no alternative to the stock market. And I think that that has changed now to a different TINA trade, which is there is now an alternative. And I think that, you know, we're starting to see savings rates at banks go up. We're starting to see CD rates, money market rates go up treasuries which are arguably so a treasury is the is the again the government bond arguably the safest investment on the planet can treasuries go bad yes but the whole world will be bad at that point so generally regarded as the safest investment on the planet is the treasury and you can buy treasuries now like randy was alluding to a minute ago you know six month treasuries at 4.2 percent interest annualized interest so there's definitely an alternative now which is partially what's going to keep a lid on this market past a certain point. Now we can have some short-term rally in stocks, but the fact that bonds are paying pretty good interest right now is going to keep from happening what happened in 2020 and 2021, where where the market just shot in a straight up in a line because there was no place else for the money to go. So are bonds holding a more important place in people's portfolios these days? I mean, are you going back to investing in bonds more than you have in the past? Well, I think that the old 60-40 portfolio, right? right, right. You had you had 60% stocks, 40% bonds, and a lot of retirees or people close to retirement used the 60-40 portfolio as balance, right? So right. when the stock market was having a fit, typically pre-major Fed printing, you know, bonds used to go up in price when stocks would go down in price and vice versa. Now, that's not necessarily the case, but the 60-40 portfolio was the old standby for a long time because as stocks went down, your bonds went up and lessened the blow. And in good times, you got the lion's share of the gain, that kind of thing. Well, this year, as some of our listeners may know from previous shows, but the 60-40 portfolio got obliterated the first eight months of this year where you know stocks were down 20% and bonds were down 20%. And... That hasn't happened in 50 years. But as with any other investment, stocks, real estate, whatever it is, when things get bad, 
That's not good for the people holding them, but it is a massive opportunity. And so now that bonds have taken a huge bath, their risk versus reward prospect is much, much more attractive from this level. We're talking with Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group here in Springfield, and we're talking about the bond market here today on Show Me the Money. Continuing to talk about bonds, Jake, what about duration? How long do we go on these bonds? Does that really matter? It absolutely matters, Jeff. And so the longer term a bond is, the more interest rate sensitive it it can be. And so we talked about in the previous segment that I'm a little concerned the Fed doesn't have the stomach for it, but that doesn't mean they won't surprise me, right? And so if they were to take interest rates, so the current Fed funds rate is is an average of about 3.9. If they were to take that number like to six, bonds would get further devalued quite a lot. But if we buy bonds that are six months or a year, those bonds will not get devalued nearly as much as if I buy a bond that is a 10-year or a 20-year or a 30-year bond. So some of those bonds, right, if we had a move from 3.9 to 6%, a 10-year bond would probably lose another 20% of its value versus if I have a one-year bond, number one, if I hold it the full year, I get all of my money back. But even if after six months I decided on that one-year bond that I wanted to sell it, I might get penalized a few tenths of 1%. So the duration absolutely matters. And right now, the highest paying bonds out there on treasuries Mm -hmm. are six to nine months in duration. So Mm -hmm. we're kind of in this golden period where usually you have to go further out to get more interest. But right now, the highest paying ones are the short ones. So for the time uh, being, for the first time, actually in decades, bond yields are similar to what income-seeking investors might expect from stocks. What do you think the outlook for the bond market is? I know we don't have a working crystal ball in the house, but where do you think bonds are going? <laughs> so, Jeff, I think I think there's two other things we need, we need to discuss here. So when we talk about a bond that's a year maturity or something like that, You know, many times when we go out and we look at buying bonds, because we can go out to TD Ameritrade or, you know, if you're with Merrill Lynch or Ed Jones or wherever, those guys can go out and look. And it may be that we're buying a bond that is six months from its maturity. And it could be that it's, it's a long bond that's coming to the end of its run. And since interest rates have been so interestingly crazy low for the longest time, you can go out there and you can find basically a bond that may have six months left on it that's paying 12 and a half basis points, meaning 0.125, okay, mm-hmm. in interest. But you can buy it today, hold it three or four months, and make a 4% annualized yield. And you say, well, how is that possible? It's because those bonds are selling at a discount because interest rates have gone up. So that's really the thing that people, uh, sometimes it's hard. It's a hard thing to grasp until you've really looked at it and dealt with it. So the, on the other side of this, let's say that Jerome Powell does get uh, weak need and he decides that he's going to go ahead and back off and lower interest rates. What would happen is at that point in time, we would probably start to get even more appreciation on the bonds that we currently hold because we bought them back of that value. So, And then again, like Jake said, the longer the duration, the longer the time clock out there, if interest rates start to fall and we already bought at a pretty good discount, we will get more appreciation as interest rates decline on the other side of that. We will get more appreciation. So it's really something that you have to watch. And sometimes you just need somebody to show you on a board in front of your face to really grasp how it works. I think also some of these weird things that are happening in bonds really haven't happened in the past much. This this is a, 
a lot of this stuff is a first time ever kind of a thing due to all the money printing that the Fed has done, all the balance sheet expansion that they've done. Bonds are doing some very interesting things because of all the liquidity in the system. And so now that that liquidity is here, the chief thing that always, and we talk so much about the Fed here, and the reason for that is because it's the thing that matters the most. When you have this gigantic source of money that's been printing and printing and printing, all that really matters now is whether they keep printing or they start sucking up all that money that they printed. Everything else is so far down the list, and that's why you have all this bad news is good news kind of stuff on the news, right? When when we get a good jobs report, meaning low unemployment. I mean, we're at the lowest unemployment in history ever mm, yeah. right now. And when we get those reports, the market tanks. Why? because it anticipates that the Fed will stop printing money, will stop expanding the balance sheet even more than it already has. So we have this bad news is good news and good news is bad news, meaning if we were to get a high unemployment rate, the market would soar because they will assume that the Fed will change their mind and start printing more money. So I think a lot of people wonder why we talk so much about the Fed on here, but it is the 800-pound gorilla in the room, or maybe the the 800,000-pound gorilla in the room. It's it's like King Kong in the room. King Kong on steroids. We're talking with Randy and uh, Jake here of Floyd Financial Group, and we've been talking about the bond market. Are bonds right for you? Are bonds right for your portfolio? Do you even have a portfolio? Do you even have a financial plan? Well, if you answered no to those questions, let's get started today and get you on the right track with a financial plan so you can get to retirement. And then when you're retired, you can stay retired. How do you get your plan? Call 417-889-7233, 417-889-7233, and request your complimentary, as in no cost, no obligation, no judgment. Sit down with Randy and Jake to get your financial plan. You can also request it online at floydfinancialgroup.com. That's floydfinancialgroup.com. Time for a break, gentlemen. We'll be right back with more of Show Me the Money when our show continues right here on my favorite radio station, 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. Back with your financial catch of the day, and it's a big one. Here's more Show Me the Money radio with your host, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to talk about how we invest money. And we're going to talk about what I would call the bucket strategy. And we're going to talk about three buckets of money and kind of how we put these together as part of a comprehensive plan. Well, I've heard about the bucket strategy before, gentlemen, and I picture three big wooden buckets here. And the three buckets are a little bit different from each other. So let's start there about what the three buckets are. So, Jeff, I think if you have wooden buckets, pretty soon they're going to be holy buckets. That's and we right. don't want any of that, right? We don't want leaks in our buckets or we yeah, don't want right. things to we, spill out of that, of course. That's right. We want we want good buckets. So we prefer something more like something durable. And, Galvanized steel. Uh, yeah, or maybe even just something like a good PVC bucket. There you go. I got it. <laughs> anyway, so no leaks, you know, and uh, stands the test of time in this case. So yeah, what we'll talk about here is we'll talk about three different buckets of money, and this will be buckets of money that will be invested. There's always that bucket of money that I would call the emergency fund that we talk about with everybody that we want people to have between three and six months of cash money sitting around where they know that they know that if the roof leaks, if the car dies, if the transmission blows up or whatever it is, you know, you've got some money to run to to fix those situations. But when it comes to the investment side, we're going to talk 
talk about three different strategies. We're going to talk about the risky bucket that mm-hmm. I would call pretty much our market-based investments. We're going to talk about what I would call the flex bucket in the middle, which has a pretty good amount of flexibility, but really what we're looking for here is a little more safety with growth. And then finally, we're going to talk about the safe bucket or the low risk bucket, which for the most part has no market downside risk to it. It won't produce quite as much upside, but by blending all these, depending on what a person's risk tolerance is and what their ability to not lose sleep at night based on what markets are doing, you know, and we have a pretty lengthy question and answer session we go through to help kind of determine where people are on this. But by blending these three buckets together, we can come up with a plan that always holds water through all kinds of weather, you know, Mm -hmm. and so when markets are down, we don't like it. When markets are up, we want to make sure that we still do like it. And so we're going to have things positioned so that when markets are up, we're going to grow our money. And we may grow, you know, in in the next up market, we may grow three or four or five, six years of income in some cases. We saw this looking back over our shoulders where we got way ahead, you know, when Trump uh, was in office 16 and and forward, you know, those four years, the markets were up. Most people were up 60, 65% through there, if not more in their accounts. And so we got way ahead of the income game there and gave people a lot more flexibility. So I think what we'll do, and I'll have Jake kind of help me with this, we will uh, break down the three buckets. We'll start with the risky bucket and talk about how it works and then flex, and then we'll go over to the safe side. Okay, so Jake, let's start with the uh, risky bucket there. And as you said, Randy, primarily, that would be market-based. So Jake, can you expand on that a little bit? Sure. So the risky bucket is primarily a growth engine. So the idea there is to grow the money. It is also our liquidity bucket, meaning if we ever need extra money beyond our emergency fund, it's very easy to tap into this and get money out for a vacation or replacing an air conditioner or putting tires on the car or whatever it may be. So when we think about the risky bucket, This is also the bucket that we manage in-house here. So we decide here, Randy and I, all the investments that go into this bucket in-house here, which is a lot of people may think that their advisor is making these decisions for them. But most of the time what happens is you go out and seek an advisor. The advisor then puts you in a bunch of mutual funds, which all have investment managers of their own. So the advisor is actually not investing the money really at that point. The each individual mutual fund has a team of investors and invest that money. So when you go to your advisor and you say, hey, you know, why did we buy this? The answer is he doesn't know because he didn't make the decision. So here, because we make all the investments in-house, that allows us to have a sense of connectedness with, if that's a word, <laughs> with you about your uh, your investments. And, and we can really talk about our overall philosophy and how we're going to use volatility to our advantage looking forward. So that's one kind of perk of managing the money in-house here. One of the other perks is that we do not have to go along with the status quo of investing, meaning if I don't want to invest in China, I don't have to. Uh, a lot of people listening to the show are uh, good red-blooded, God-fearing Americans and really love this country the way that I love this country. And a lot of the rest of the world would say that, well, you know, you really need to be diversified and be in China and be in Turkey invested in India and all this kind of stuff. And we will invest internationally sometimes, but if we do not want to in a time of tumult like it is right now, 
we don't have to invest in some of these other categories, some of these other countries that we don't want to invest in. I think a lot of people don't know this, but like if so Vanguard, for example, a lot of people have a lot of money at Vanguard. Vanguard believes that you should be 40 percent internationally invested. That's a big number, right. which means that a minimum of 15 percent of your money is in China. Most people we talk to are not just dying to go invest in China right no, now. No. And and when they find out that they are invested in China, they're usually surprised by that. So, you know, right now we think America is the greatest country. We think we will be the first and fastest to recover when all this crazy stuff ends with inflation and or Russia and all this kind of thing. We like to bet on America. We like right. to hold stocks inside there that you shop at, places you shop at, things that you buy, things that you use every day. We don't like to invest in nebulous companies that we're not sure even exist on the other side of the world. And so in that kind of risky bucket to kind of bring this around, you know, mostly what we're holding in there is individual stocks and a few ETFs. Those are exchange traded funds, but that keeps the cost very low of investing. It's important to keep costs low because over a long period of time, it makes a big difference in how much money you have. So that first bucket, again, it's mostly market. It's the risky bucket. It's the liquidity bucket, meaning we can get to that money when we need it. And then I'll let Randy talk about the middle bucket. And the middle bucket is going to be that flexible bucket. So Randy, I'll let you take it from there. Sure thing. So the flex bucket, think about this one. You know, it can be set up into many different setups, but the one I want to talk about here in particular is one that I would call a buffered strategy. And what the buffered strategy basically does, Jeff, is this. So imagine that you're a newly retired guy. You've worked, you know, 50 years of your life. We're ready now to start turning on income out of our portfolio. And so we've got the risky bucket where we know if markets are doing good and they come in, we're going to do good. But markets aren't always just perfect, right? We have a little up and down. So Jeff, talking about the risky bucket, I think we should probably go back and maybe we need to name that a little differently because there's a difference between risk and volatility. We've talked about that on this show before. So, you know, risky is where I've got a company that may be going broke that's about to go out of business (laughs) or could go out of business as I invest in it versus volatility being, you know, the broad market, the S&P 500, the Microsofts, the FedExes, the UPSs, the Walmarts, the CVSs, the Walgreens, Mm -hmm. all those companies are probably not going out of business tomorrow because most of those companies are $100 billion and up in size and are just not going to go anywhere. So volatility, uh, a more volatile bucket is what I would actually call that risky bucket. So here on the flex side, what we want to do is we want to come in here and give you some comfort, Jeff, like this. We're going to say, you know, Jeff, I know that you like the market, but I know that sometimes the market maybe makes you nervous. So what if we told you, what if we could set up a situation to where if the, and we'll track the S&P 500 on this flex bucket here as well. So let's say that uh, I could tell you that, Jeff, if the market goes down 20% or less, you will lose no money. I would like that. Would you like that? I would Most love people it. people like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's the buffer. So the buffer says, okay, if the market's down 10 Jeff, the worst that can happen is you get zero, which is still good, right? Because you didn't lose 10. Right. But if the market goes down 20, you're still at zero. But if the market's down 25, you're only down five. Mm -hmm. So that's really important. That's a big, big downside hedge that people really tend to love. And once they understand it, they go, wow, that is pretty impressive. We do like that. Now, to get the downside protection, we have to use some of that 
upside potential. We have to sell some of that away to basically give us our downside flex or buffer, okay? So on the top side, we may only be able to capture 13, 14% of the upside of the market, but we do get the 20% buffer to the downside. Now we can skew these things lots of different ways. Right now, we like that 20% downside because we think there may still be quite a bit of downside left in this market. However, on the other side of this, when markets do turn around and when we kind of write the ship and we get things on the mend, we may only want a 10% buffer and then we can get a 20% upside in the flex bucket. And what's great about this is we measure year to year and each year we get the option to go, hey, I want to go again or no, I don't want to go again or maybe we'll do some combination, you know, but the flex bucket is really fun. It's exciting and it's also one of those things that just gives people a little bit more sleep at night when markets are not too favorable like they are kind of right now and we've got all these ups and downs and capitulations that we have seen since january we're talking about the bucket strategy with randy jake here of floyd financial group and we're going to continue this conversation in our next segment meantime if you're interested in knowing more about the bucket strategy and whether or not it is right for you and you would like to get a complimentary no cost no obligation no judgment financial plan that may include that bucket strategy call 417-889-7233 and request your plan 417 9-7233. You can also get your plan online at floydfinancialgroup.com. That's floydfinancialgroup.com. Time for a break, gentlemen. We'll be right back with the final portion of our show right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. People of the Ozarks, step away from the fishing pole and prepare to be shown the money because we're back with more Straight Talk with Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Show Me the Money. This is Randy and Jake Floyd. And in this segment, we're going to continue on with our bucket strategy. We talked about the volatile or or the risky bucket, if you will. We talked about the buffered or flex bucket. And here we're going to talk about the safe bucket, the low risk, no market volatility type where we can't lose money if markets go down in this uh, particular investment strategy. And gentlemen, in that safe bucket, what are some of the tools or what are some of the things that you put in that bucket to make it safe? Well, there's a couple things that you could do. When we're talking about no risk, we talked a little bit in this segment, something we wouldn't have talked about before, but there's two things we could actually put in the safe bucket. One is we can put government treasuries here because we know if we buy a government treasury, we put our money in there and we hold it to maturity, what do we get? We get 100% of our money back. So we know that we're going to get whatever the interest rate is that we've locked in, and we know that we'll get our money back. And if we were able to buy it at less than full value, which we can do when interest rates are rising sometimes, that's how we make a, you know a little bit more return, not just the interest rate itself. But that's one way to do it. Secondly, we're going to talk about these things called fixed indexed annuities. Mm-hmm. That's an FIA for short. Right. Now, fixed indexed annuities, a lot of people have heard of those. I have been working with those since 2002. I will tell you, since 2002, I have seen every company out there offer something to us and try to get us to, you know, market their product. But in 2002, I started a relationship with one company that we still have today. There's about three or four of these products total on the market. I'm talking about the fixed index annuity, three or four total that we will even use and look at. 
And there's probably, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I'm sure there's 3,000 variations, and it might be more than that, but there are at least that many variations. So let's talk about some of the problems that we see with fixed index annuities. And for some people, I will say this, the word annuity is a four-letter word, you yeah. know, and they want to wash my mouth out with soap over when they come in. So I would agree with people that in most cases, annuities are not going to be a good fit simply because many times the companies that are writing or putting these annuity contracts in place are not really very good at sharing the money with the client, Mm. our customer. And you know what? We just don't like that. The way they do it is they put a cap or a lid on what people can earn. Now, all the FIAs will give you downside risk protection, but you know, it's okay. I mean, that's great. We like the downside risk protection, but what we really want to be able to do is make some money with our money when markets come in and markets are favorable. Most of these are going to track an index of some sort. That's why they're called an FIA. Right. We like to track something that's actually trackable by the client. So we like mm-hmm. to use the S&P 500. There are many, 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 many recently created indices to market to people. And some of them even have really weird names like, you know, the senior American index and yeah. uh, just just stuff. I'm like, really? I mean, what are you, what are you doing here? You know, yeah. I like the S and P 500 because people can go turn on the news at night and go click and they go, yep, the S and P was up today. Hey honey, yeah. we're in the money. We're in the money. You know? <laughs> or if it's off, they know that they're going to be protected. So we like to use the S and P 500 for that reason. We also like to use a product that is not capped on the earnings. Today, you'll see that, uh, and with interest rates being higher, they're better than they were. But, you know, for the longest time, they were capped at 2 and 3 and 4%. Today, most are capped probably in the 5 to 6% range. And when markets go up 30, I don't want 5 or 6. You know, right, I want right. to capture 10, 12, 13% of that if, I, if it's going to go up or more if it's going to go up that much. So we like something that gives us a participation rate to the upside. So in other words, right now we get roughly... 65, well, not roughly, we get 65% of the upside minus a fee of 0.95, or you don't have to have any fee at all. We can set these things up to where they have zero fee. Your earnings will be slightly less, but you're still not capped. You still get a participation rate, a part of all the growth of the market as it goes up. So we like to use something like that. Your money is still safe to the downside, but boy, when the markets come in, you can make some hay. And remember, with the FIAs, you get to lock in your gains, and some of those are on an annual basis, some are on a two-year basis. But when you lock in your gain, that's going to be your new minimum balance, Mm. except for what you draw out of there. And, you know, if we do happen to have a down market for, let's say, a year or two, and the market's down 20 30%. We didn't lose any money. Right. If you're spending money out of your account, all that your account went down was what you were spending. And when the market resets, when you get to that anniversary date, you get to start from the low point, earning money all the way back while people that had money just in the market are cleaning up spilled milk. So there's really a good way to use these FIAs blended with the flex strategy we talked about earlier, blended with the riskier bucket or the more volatile bucket in the market by blending these things correctly. We can get great returns, great safety. So, uh, you know, what we look at is how can we protect our clients to the downside Mm. 
and yet give them the lion's share of the gains on the way back so that they can spend their money, not have to look over their shoulder all the time, not worried about you know where their next meal is coming from because they know that they know that the plan is in place and is going to work effectively for them. We've been talking about the bucket strategy with Randy and Jake here at Floyd Financial Group. Three buckets, basically. Your first one is the volatility bucket. Your middle one is going to be your flexible bucket. And then your third one is going to be the safety bucket. Is the bucket strategy right for you? Well, to find out, call 417-889-7233 and talk to Randy and Jake. And these are solid buckets, too. We pointed out they're not going to be the old wooden buckets that leak. And if there is a hole in a bucket, I would imagine you guys are very quick to uh, patch that hole there at Floyd Financial Group. You know, gentlemen, we do get requests once in a while to talk about this, and we'll do it more so in uh, future weeks. But I want to touch on it a little bit. People want to know, what is it like when I come into Floyd Financial Group to get my no cost, no obligation, no judgment financial plan. I know we say that, but I mean, when people come through the door, are you going to lock the door and sit them down with a light over their head and, you know, insist that they sign something? What does it really look like? What is experience like when people call that number and set the appointment? What we like to do is we like to get the timeshares out. And, and really, once we have the door locked. Timeshare no, salesperson, yeah. And it, I, and then we, I'm, I'm totally joking. I know. Yeah. In fact. Um, it's a funny visual, but it couldn't be further from the truth, I'll tell you. Right, that. right. It couldn't be further from the truth. Listen, we're only joking, folks. It doesn't, yeah. it, we don't do that. We don't do that. No, no, no. I'll, I'll tell you really, Jeff, how, how this works. And I don't know how long it's been. It's been probably at least 10 years ago now. Yeah. And this will ring true with people is I was sitting with this lady and I've talked about this before. We were just having small talk, getting to know one another and a few things like that. And I said, well, I guess we should you know, probably get down to what we were here to talk about. And she said, so we have to talk about scary money stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, you know, that just, I'd like, wow, that just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. So we understand that sometimes when people come in to sit down with us, they don't know us from anybody. They don't know how we're going to be with them. But I can assure you that, like Jeff had said here earlier, it's kind of, it's a no judgment zone. Really what we want to do is get to know you, know what's important to you, know what you're wanting to accomplish, look at what you've done over your lifetime and help you figure out this next phase of life called retirement. And so as we do that, we want to discover, you know, all about you. We want to work a plan to your advantage, see where you are now, see what recommendations we might make for your future investments. Look at your income stream, how that's going to play out, help you with taxes, help you get filed for Social Security. If you haven't filed for Social Security, help you with Medicare if you're 65 and needing to do all those things. So we have expertise in all those areas. We have people that can help you uh, that that's their expertise in all those areas from taxes to Medicare to Social Security, the whole thing. And uh, really what we like to do is just make people comfortable, answer their questions. We generally never get to a point to where we say, hey, are you going to do business with us or not? It right. just doesn't work that way. What generally happens is people go, well, okay, what do we do next? Right. And then that's kind of how things go. And we talk about there's no cost and no obligation. I mean, you leave your checkbooks at home. You guys spend a lot of time on these plans, but you don't charge anything in the beginning at all, do you? No, you know, I always figure we need to bring something to the table of value before we deserve to get paid. I mean, I don't know about you. That's what my yeah. dad said. Dad yeah, says, you know, absolutely. do an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. And, uh, you know, uh, if you and he used to tell me this, you know, Randy, if you're on time, you're late. Yep, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> if you're early, you know? you're on time. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. You know, because it's how can you how can you go to work if you're just showing up right at the last minute? You need to get there and be prepared. So that's kind yeah. of what we like to do is meet people where they are, learn about them. We'll go behind the scenes. We'll do some work. We'll meet them again and talk about all those things. And, and at the second meeting, it really is fun because, you know, we explain what we would do with how the investments might work and all that. And it's a discussion. It's not it's our way or the highway. You know, right, it's a right, discussion sure. about what we've learned and what we think. And then, you know, people get to ask all their questions and, and, until they're satisfied. And we're, we're not in any hurry. I often tell people, uh, you know, you've worked 30 years, 40 years. You know, we're just preparing for the rest of your life. We might want to talk about it a couple of times. And I would say, too, that, you know, we want, to, uh, Randy likes to say, we want willing participants. So what that means is that we, we really don't want anybody to do something they don't want to do. We want to explain to you what our plan is and why our plan is. And I think that for the most part, if people see the the why behind what we're doing, which, which by the way, is almost never shown from an advisor standpoint. Most advisors don't take the time to sit down and say, okay, here's what we're doing and here's why we're doing it and show you really under the hood. Mm-hmm. We think if we do that, that you will come to the same conclusion that we have come to. If we do that and you're like, you know, I just don't think this is for me, that's totally fine. We are not in any way wanting to sign people up that don't want to be there. If worst case scenario, you come in, we do the plan, you don't love the plan, hey, we made a new friend and we're fine with that. Right. We believe that if we take care of people, that will get taken care of as well. And I think that so far that has been, we've been very blessed and have been very well taken care of uh, in every way. And the more we give away our time, the better we do. And I think that that mentality is really at the core of what we do here. I just want to help people. That's what we're here for. Well, as we said, you don't bring your checkbook. I mean, you don't uh, charge anything, no cost, no obligation, as we always say. So how do you get paid? So that depends a little bit on what the plan calls for, but the basic idea is, you know, when we invest money, we will then start getting paid. Money in the market, we make a fee to invest that money. Uh, Depending on the type of product will determine uh, how much that number is, but that's all something that we will cover as we go through the plan. That's a major part of it. We are 100% transparent. I will tell you every nitty gritty detail about how we get paid and how everything works uh, when we sit down, but it really varies quite a bit, Jeff, based on what the plan calls for what part of the cycle you're in, meaning if you're if you're in still accumulating money or if you're close to retirement or if you're in retirement. So but again, you'll see all that stuff coming from a mile away and you'll have a chance to say yay or nay way before you see any kind of a bill. Well, if our listeners would like to take the scary out of the scary money stuff, we invite you to call Floyd Financial Group. No cost, no obligation. As we said, no judgment. It is a no-tie zone at Floyd Financial Group. Just a friendly, casual conversation about you, your money, your vision, your retirement. To get your no-obligation plan, call 417-889-7233. 417-889-7233 or request it online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Gentlemen, out of time for this week. I want to thank you for your time, but most of all, I want to thank the fine folks here of the Last Bastion of Sanity, Springfield, Missouri, for joining us every Saturday. For Andy and Jake, I'm Jeff Shade. Get out, have a great weekend in this great part of the country that we live in. We'll talk to you again next week, post-Thanksgiving, for another edition of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk.